Welcome back to the show, you guys. I am so excited about our next guest, Robin Burzen. Dr. Robin Burzen is someone I look up to personally, professionally. She is a mom of two. She is a functional MD and the founder and CEO of Parsley Health, which is a... It it is a doctor's office, but so much more than a doctor's office. It's all about whole body care. They have health coaches, they have MDs, they look at a bunch of different functional labs and they really work to find the root of your problems. She is a brilliant MD. She graduated from Columbia Medical School and trained in internal medicine at Mount Sinai Hospital. Uh, She lives in New York with her family and... I have a lot of questions for her because we're all we're all dealing with the COVID crisis, and we're all looking for ways to feel our best, both mentally and physically. And so, it is just such a pleasure to welcome Robin to the show. Robin, thank you so so much for taking the time to be here, um, time away from your practice and your family. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to hear your voice, and I'm just I'm stoked and honored to be here. Cool. Well, so I guess we should just dive right in because I know there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people out there um, trying to just manage the COVID crisis, help flatten the curve, keep their family and themselves well. What, what are you doing? What are you recommending to your patients to take care of themselves during this time? Yes. So the couple things that we're recommending for everyone come down to building that healthy foundation because the best thing that we can all do is to stay healthy at home. You know, one of the things that's wild to me about this entire situation uh, is not only are we managing a pandemic as a medical system, but then a lot of people don't have access to just regular medical care, like going to the dentist or going to your primary care doctor or access to dealing with all of our health issues that didn't magically go away when this happened, right? And so whether you're dealing with migraines or an autoimmune condition or digestive issues or high blood sugar or weight gain or you know hormone issues, all of it, right, is still there. And if we are sitting at home, looking at screens and eating sugar, my three S's, we are not making any of that stuff better. So <laughs> we got to lean in um, and we got to lean into our health in a big way right now. Uh, otherwise, we could be less healthy when we are able to leave our homes than we were when we started. And that's not what we want because we're going to be dealing with COVID-19 for, I think, a long time in some way. And we're going to need to have be as healthy as possible to do that as a population and as individuals. Um, and so that's my soapbox. But in terms of the things that I'm, I'm recommending, I mean, I'll start with, with the, the sugar on the S. You know, we're all home. Uh, it's easy to snack. It's easy to graze. It's easy to order takeout. And I think now is a really amazing opportunity. And I'm sure you're seeing this, or I'm curious as you're seeing this with your clients, to really uh, reset your diet and to create a new healthy baseline um, with with what are truly nature supplements, which is fruits and vegetables. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Um, you sort of glazed over your three S's, but those were sugar, screens, and sitting. So she's yeah. she's, she's on <laughs> she's on sugar, and you're preaching to the choir. I mean, I'm the biggest advocate of eating whole food meals versus snacking and grazing. And I know I know that a lot of my clients are dealing with those cabinet and pantry flybys of like, now I'm bored and I'm at home and these like Zoom business calls are really boring and I have 10 (laughs) minutes before my next one. So let's go eat all my kids' snacks. Um, So I am really working with them and coaching them to to find ways to really sit down and eat a whole meal and think about what what they're doing and focus on the fact that they're eating and enjoy it so that they don't have those cravings. But what are you recommending for people to to kind of ditch the snacks and stop grazing. Yeah. So first of all, it's easy when you are working from home to kind of forget about a schedule, right? You don't have your commute or the ways that you normally start your day to sort of set a framework around your day. And so you can end up working all day and skipping meals and then being starving and just grabbing stuff. You can... Uh, you know, not really take time out during the day in the same way that you might have to go to lunch with a colleague. So the first thing is, is create your schedule. Lots of S's today. Create your schedule. And if you're doing intermittent fasting, I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting for boosting metabolism. 
um, not so great for me right now because I'm breastfeeding and it can kind of knock out, knock out your milk supply for some of us a little bit, myself included. Um, but either doing your inter- intermittent fasting, which I'm happy to get into, or if you're eating breakfast, do not have sweets for breakfast. So that means cereal, that means toast, that means muffins, that means croissants, all of the kind of even oatmeal, um, all of the kind of breads and, and carbs and sweets, fruits that we might have for breakfast um, are not setting your metabolism up for a good day. And so what you want to start your day with if you're eating is proteins and healthy fats and lots of fiber. So that might be um, a smoothie with you know your favorite protein powder. Um, Parsley has one that I, I eat a lot uh, called Rebuild. You might start your day with eggs. You might start your day with smoked salmon and avocado, um, sauteed vegetables. But if you do that, then you're not giving yourself that blood sugar spike in the morning time when your cortisol is naturally higher in the body and when you're more likely to store uh, that those carbs as fat. And then also sugar, we know, depletes our immune system. So when we have blood sugar imbalances, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, high blood sugar because we're chronically stressed out and this is a very stressful time, or just because we're grazing on carbs and crackers and cookies and breads and pastas and so forth, that's when uh, our body gets chronically inflamed and that's when our immune system doesn't work as well. So set a schedule, start your day with proteins and healthy fats um, and some sort of veggie if you can. Uh, and I, my other recommendation, and I'm, I don't know if you're telling folks this too, but you know, you got to go to the grocery store, you got to, or you got to order food delivery. Just don't order the bad stuff right now. So my go-tos when I do want a snack, when I do need that drive-by, I'm a big fan of organic popcorn with you know, coconut oil or olive oil on it, some sea salt, uh, or um, if I want that sweet, we're doing 90% cacao chocolate, which is super intense but means that the sugar is low and you're just getting the benefits of the cacao. Oh yeah. I think the bitter, the more bitter, the better. It definitely, it hits the spot and you can stop. I think the more milky and sugary it is, the more you hit, get that dopamine hit and you're like, I'm going to just keep going. Oh, absolutely. So, well, you said so many good things there that I'd love for you to dive a little bit deeper into. First and foremost, when cortisol is high and insulin is high, can you talk a little bit about that if someone's deciding to start their day on a blood sugar roller coaster with some of those <laughs> carbohydrate-rich foods? Can you talk about that hormone cascade that's happening? Yeah. So one of the tests that we do, we do a lot of what I call fancy pants tests or specialty tests uh, at Parsley Health. And we look deeper than a regular doctor does at what is driving your conditions? What is going on? Because if you can't sleep or have high blood sugar or have a dysfunctional immune system, a lot of that could be driven by stress or high cortisol levels. So we're going to test for those because what we care about is what is driving your symptoms or your chronic illness so that we can fix the root cause of the problem. So when it comes to cortisol in the morning, the human body uh, is neat. It has some cool patterns that it tends to follow or should follow. And cortisol is high in the morning, which makes sense. It's when we have our get up and go. Cortisol is our primary stress hormone. And it's a diurnal hormone. It means it has a, a kind of two-phased uh, pattern. It's high in the morning, it comes down over the course of the day, and then it's low at night, uh, or it should be. And so what we find is that if your cortisol is kind of in a different pattern, it's high at night, you might have trouble sleeping. If it's high all day, you might be gaining a lot of weight, especially around that midsection. But for anyone, even if you have a healthy and normal cortisol pattern, your cortisol is higher in the morning. And when your cortisol cortisol is higher, you are going to have higher levels of insulin. And insulin is the hormone that tells your body to take that sugar that you're eating and store it away as fat in the cells. And so if you have high cortisol in the morning, like you should, like most people do, and you eat a croissant or even like a banana, and that's your only thing that you have for breakfast, you're taking in all that sugar. It's going right into your bloodstream. The insulin's coming out to say, hey, we got to regulate this and you're going to have higher levels and you're going to store more as fat. It's such a perfect explanation. I could literally reach through the computer and hug you right now. I think so many people, if people just... just if they understood the science, they could make the choice occasionally, maybe on a holiday or a birthday to like celebrate a different way. But the daily, what you do every day and, and how you start your day affects how you store and how you feel the whole rest of the day. So it's, yep. it's so good that you're explaining that. So now I have a follow-up question. 
oat milk is obviously really popular. How are you feeling about this alternative milk knowing that high cortisol and high insulin can, can cause an issue? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. And no one has asked me this question before. And I'm so glad you have because I love oat milk. It tastes so good. But one of the reasons it tastes so good is no surprise that it's uh, it can be really high in sugar, especially some of the like kind of barista formulations that are out there. Uh, they can have... The things that you want to look for in all your nut milks are one, um, higher levels of like uh, omega-6 fatty acids or omega-6 fats. So that's things like the vegetable oils that are in a lot of them. And then you want to look at that sugar content and kind of do a side-by-side. And unfortunately, oat milk just is more sugary. Uh, and so if you're starting your morning and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm intermittent fasting, I'm having my oat milk latte, newsflash, you're not intermittent fasting. You're having a huge <laughs> carbo load in that oat milk. The milk, my milk of choice right now is macadamia nut milk because it actually has zero sugars in it naturally. I just actually bought the macadamia milk creamer at Ooh. our Whole Foods yesterday because we're doing that grocery shop once a week. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll switch to a creamer that'll last a little bit longer than like the bigger nut milks that I'd be using. And we're trying to use like water in our smoothies right now. Just like, you know, trying to be a little bit more minimalist with our food. And um, and I had it this morning. It's absolutely delicious. Yeah. I love it. And it's actually steams really well. Uh, I'm an espresso addict. Uh, as my family knows, I like can't... I'm, I'm literally... I breastfeed the baby and then I sit there while I pump after drinking my coffee. And my husband just like... He doesn't even come into the room. He just like reaches in, leaves it on <laughs> the table next to me. And like I see this arm come in and I'm like, yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, I... You know, it's, it, it's really good. And I've also been making zero sugar hot cocoa. Um, I'm in New York and, and it's, so it's you know still been super cold and rainy here for the most part. And so... I've been adding just plain cacao powder to uh, macadamia nut milk. I'm heating up on the stove and adding some adaptogens and adding a bit of coconut milk creamer. And it's effectively a zero sugar hot chocolate and it tastes really good. Oh, that sounds amazing. We definitely are going to have to add your recipe to the show notes. And speaking of adaptogens, can you explain how adaptogens may be supportive of people during this period of high stress? Yes. So adaptogens are uh, substances. They are typically herbal formulations or herbs that are kind of have an interesting effect in the body. The way that you can think about it is if the thermostat's too high, they turn it down. And if it's too low, low they turn it up. Um, and they help regulate our stress response and chill us out a little bit without tiring us out. And so they can both give us energy like a ginseng. Um, and then they can help relax us a bit like an ashwagandha. And so uh, these are not, uh, people have asked a lot, well, are adaptogens immune boosting? And the answer is no, that's not why you're taking an adaptogen. But what you might be taking an adaptogen for is to regulate your stress response. And you know, I can tell you personally, this is a really stressful time. Every morning I wake up feeling pretty good and feeling like ready for the day, ready to take on the world. And I feel like by the end of the day, the news cycle... Just you know what it takes to run a business in this environment, be a mom, try to predict the future and you don't have a crystal ball and make decisions is just putting us at a 10 out of 10 in our daily lives in a way that we might have only been at a 10 out of 10 stress you know, once a week or once a month before. And so some of these herbal adaptogens can help you kind of weather that storm in terms of your stress response. Uh, and also give you more of a natural energy boost versus, you know, a caffeine. And if you are drinking caffeine all day and wondering you're not why you're not sleeping, there's another S uh, that could be, you know, causing some problems for you. So let's get into your favorite adaptogens for people to add. And then I want to go back to caffeine because I do think it's important for people to understand how caffeine can have an effect on hormones and adrenals and your recommendations for people because I do also love espresso and I love... I think about my morning cup of coffee the night before. <laughs> it's so delicious. But it, it, I think there is balance that needs to be met when it comes to intake of caffeine. So I'd love to hear your, your take on adaptogens and caffeine, um, a little more on like your favorites of, for adaptogens and like, is there a specific time of day we should be taking them? 
Yeah. So it depends on the adaptogens. You know, we do or prescribe at Parsley, we prescribe medications, antibiotics and high blood pressure pills. And we do all of that, but we also prescribe um, professional grade supplements. uh, And we do it based on you know, results we're trying to achieve. We're not sort of saying, oh, take a supplement just because it's nice to take, right? Uh, It's based on your test results. It's based on your clinical history that's physician evaluated. So um, you'll hear me lately, I feel like I've been saying this a lot, but talk a lot about the supplement malarkey out there, um, which is just that, you know, sprinkling a little fairy dust of adaptogens or a few drops of CBD in your cocktail are somehow going to transform your health. And the answer is they're not. Uh, These things have to be used in the right way. You have to have sufficient quantities of them to actually have any effect from them. Um, If you're using a nutrient like a magnesium or an herb like like an ashwagandha to affect a purpose, you need to make sure it's pure, it's quality, it is what it says it is. And then it also is insufficient quantities of the active ingredient that it's actually going to do anything. So that's my supplement soapbox. But in terms of the adaptogens, you know, we'll use that cortisol curve testing that we do to understand, do you need more of a boost, which for which I like ginseng. Um, I like rhodiola for that, for like a mellow boost. I like ashwagandha for balancing the thyroid and also for uh, anxiety and, and, and kind of overall stress reduction. Uh, and so the exact, co- um, combination of adaptogens, there's some adaptogenic mushrooms that are really helpful. Uh, like lion's mane is actually good for focus. Um, you know, I would use a different combination depending on which, what I'm trying to achieve, but those are some of them. I love that you mentioned that you're supplementing in response to test results. I think so many times when I'm first meeting with clients, they come out with their big box of supplements. And like, this is everything that I'm taking. And sometimes they're doubling up on things or they're using an active ingredient that might pairing you know, their, their prescription with a citrus that's inactivating something. Um, let's go a little deeper into that before we pop back to caffeine. I w- I'm curious what your... If you have supplements that you think everyone should be taking, or kind of like if someone wanted to take supplements, but to take care of themselves versus like taking supplements in response to their tests, like Mm -hmm. is there are there anything that you think people should all be taking? Yeah, well, I mean, I know what you're talking about, right? When our when our patients come and they have all these supplements, and even you know every single visit with one of your doctors is it's a parsley. We review, we do, you know, in medicine, we call it MedRec or medication reconciliation, MedRec. When we basically just means going through all your meds and making sure you're still taking them, you are taking them, what are they, what's the dosage, right? It always blew my mind in my medical training how often people just didn't really know what they were taking, didn't have a list anywhere, had lost track of these prescription drugs. The same is true with supplements. And so we always do a supplement rec and every visit we ask, what are you still taking? What are you not and that accountability is really critical because I see people like literally go to the their favorite sort of health food store, or their grocery store, or whatever, and you end up with these supplement graveyards at home of stuff that you're kind of taking, but not really. And with supplements and medications like Newsflash, you can't kind of sort of take them occasionally. You have to take them regularly for them to work. Um, so in terms of what people should be taking in general, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of saying nothing because I think it's very individually dependent. Right now, what we're recommending for immunity to be taking in general, uh, vitamin D3, K2, at least uh, 2,000 units a day. If you don't know whether you're low or not, if you know you're low, you can take 5,000 like I do. Uh, you can also take uh, two grams, so that's 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C, uh, one gram twice a day for immunity, and this is prevention. Uh, we also have a supplement called Bodyguard, which uh, includes zinc, uh, at least 10 milligrams of zinc a day, but you don't want to go too high on zinc, so you don't want to go higher than 15 to 20 on a daily basis. Uh, and it also contains um, some elderberry echinacea, astralagus, other immune boosting herbs. And so right now during COVID-19, we recommend taking some of those preventively. Uh, But like what I say that everyone should take those all the time preventively, the vitamin D maybe simply because the vast majority of people are quite deficient. Um, But uh, otherwise, I don't recommend people take vitamin C all the time or take, you know, a immunosupportive all the time, but I do recommend it 
uh, right now, um, given the context that we're in. And then from there, you know, it really depends on who you are, right? Like I have genetics such that I really feel it when I'm not taking my methylated B vitamins. Like my mood is low. It, it's like I see the world through gray colored glasses instead of rose colored glasses. When I'm taking my methylated B vitamins, mood, mood differential is, is legit. Um, so I get them in our, in our one and done multi, but there's other ways, other places you can get them. So it's also kind of learning your patterns and learning what are some of the things I need to be taking or I do better with if I take all the time. Um, and then other things like to your point, based on testing, based on a goal you're trying to achieve, based on prevention in the time of a pandemic, you know, hopefully this isn't happening again, but for as long as we're coping with this, um, there are specific things you might take. It's interesting because I feel exactly the same way about my methylated B vitamins. <laughs> it's it, And I actually, I will find that I'm up two to five pounds if I'm not taking them as well. Like it, it takes a, a few weeks, but um, it's just, my body is just not functioning at the same rate and the same yep. level. Can you talk about methylation and why you'd be taking methylated B vitamins? And you mentioned your genetics. Um, I know a lot of people have MTHFR mutations. Can you explain what that is and, and why these type of um, supplements and why actually getting tested for that is super important? Yeah. So we will get back to caffeine people, I swear, but, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but MTHFR and, and, and B vitamins. So all B vitamins are not created equally. Um, methylation is just a normal metabolic process that happens in your body. Um, some have said a, a billion times a minute, it's happening everywhere in all of your cells. Uh, and it literally just means taking a carbon and three hydrogens, a methyl group and adding it to something. And it's this like little step that happens on the assembly line of many, many things for you to build neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine and norepinephrine, uh, for your metabolism overall to work well. So some people, uh, and I call these MTHFR uh, genetics of variants, not mutations, because these variants are just different variants. We all have two copies of each gene, one from mom and one from dad. And of, e and of each gene, there's a number of different variants that run throughout the population in general. And so there's MTHFR variants. Um, and some mean that your assembly line is kind of slow. And some variants mean that your assembly line is a lot slower. And some mean that your assembly line is faster. So I have the a lot slower variant. Um, I have an, one of the MTHFR genes. I have both copies of the slow, the slow uh, little Pac-Man. Um, and so uh, I find that when I take B vitamins that are pre-methylated, so 5-MTHF, which is your methylated folate, folate and methylcobalamin, which is the fancy word for methyl B12, uh, that my body is able to bypass those slow slow cogs in the assembly line and to move faster. And I really feel it when it comes to my mood uh, as well as my metabolism. That's great. That was a great example. And, and what else? I mean, we can go back to caffeine now because you were able to find out that you had those variants based on genetic testing. Um, and I know that you can find out if you're a fast metabolizer or a slow metabolizer of caffeine with genetic testing. Do you know what you are? Oh, I am a slow one and I didn't need genetic testing to tell me that. <laughs> um, so 60% of Americans, um, although I haven't tested, but 60% of Americans uh, are slower metabolizers of caffeine, meaning that they're the liver enzymes, which we all have. And again, we have them. Some are just faster actors and some are a little bit slower. Um, more of us than not are slower metabolizers of caffeine because you take that, that caffeine in, you swallow it, it goes to your stomach, it goes to your digestive tract. It gets absorbed through the lining of the digestive tract and it goes into this cool vein that brings it to the liver, which is your big processing plant. And your liver says okay, um, I'm going to break these things down into news I can use and into things, nutrients I want to send around the body and into things I want to get rid of. Um, and in that process, your liver has to break things down, but you're, um, you're being exposed you know, throughout your body to the caffeine. And so the caffeine um, for people who are slower metabolizers is going to mean that you have more of that caffeine hanging around for longer. And so I see this all the time, people having that afternoon coffee. And I'm a big fan of cutting the afternoon caffeine and really keeping all caffeine before 10 a.m. Because most people 
um, are not going to metabolize that caffeine that you have in the afternoon before bedtime. Uh, the the half life of caffeine, I think it's six hours. I'm, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's right. Yeah, that's six right. hours. Mm-hmm. So if you have you know twenty milligrams of caffeine right now, six hours later, ten of it's still hanging around, and so your body has to take time to go through these things. And so a lot of people are anxious at night, jittery at night, um, can't fall asleep. Uh, have an interrupted sleep, and because it's because they're overdoing it on the caffeine during the day. Yeah, and didn't you have some um, personal difficulty sleeping just even in your in your last pregnancy in your third trimester? Um, you obviously yeah. probably weren't having caffeine, or were you? Did you drink caffeine during your pregnancy? Oh, I had a double espresso every morning for my entire pregnancy. <laughs> oh, I did. Okay, so I did too. I drink a cup of coffee every morning during my during my pregnancy, but I felt like I read enough research to know that I felt completely comfortable doing that. Same. Um, but I wouldn't recommend having five coffees a day while pregnant, but you know, yeah. if you're having, you know, less than a hundred milligrams of caffeine um, a day or having that one coffee in the morning, uh, that one espresso, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's fine. Um, is my understanding while you're pregnant. So I did it both pregnancies. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of insomnia in pregnancy and I know that a lot of women who've been pregnant or are pregnant can relate to this. And it's a really combination of factors. It's, um, it's definitely changes in your hormones and how your hormones are affecting your brain. Um, it's anxiety, uh, at the end there, it's physical discomfort. Um, so just only being able to really get comfortable on one side. And all of those things can accumulate. So I had pretty bad uh, insomnia during my third trimester, despite uh, you know only having the one coffee in the morning. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's the perfect storm. You're bringing a baby into the world. You're running a humongous business that I, I think at the time had just taken everything virtually, right? You have... Um, everyone has access to Parsley Health now, not just the people who live in LA and San Francisco and New York. Um, yep. You had a lot going on. I know. It's, <laughs> I feel like 2019 was a marathon. We opened two centers. We set ourselves up to do telemedicine, you know, virtual care nationally. I was pregnant. I had a baby at the beginning of February and... I feel like I just walked into an Iron Man with, <laughs> with my pit stop being <laughs> delivering my child. I, yeah. I mean, I can't even, and I know I'm, I'm not, I'm not alone. I know a lot of us feel this way. Yeah. Well, why don't you talk a little bit about Parsley Health? Cause it's something that I recommend to so many of my clients, especially those who don't have access to, or who don't live in New York or LA. Um, can you explain what it looks like to be a patient of Parsley Health and um, what the intake looks like and what you guys are looking for and, and how you're helping? Yeah. So we, uh, and thank you for referring to us, by the way, the feeling is mutual um, and we love our our health coaches and nutrition experts and RDs and everyone like you who is educating everyone out there on the fundamental principle that food is medicine and how to start taking care of themselves because so much of this with the right guidance, you really can affect massive transformation in your health and your body and in your life. And so we need as many voices out there, um, uh, responsible ones, um, helping us pay attention to the science and, and nutrition. And you're certainly one of them. Um, and so at Parsley, you know, we have this annual membership. And the reason for that is results take time. You don't get fit going to the gym once uh, and you don't get radically healthy or resolve a, a chronic illness or a chronic symptom by seeing the doctor once a year for 15 minutes. And so um, with an annual membership and you can work with our doctors and health coaches, they're all part of our team. Um, you can work with them fully online or you can see us in our centers. Um, right now our, during COVID-19, our centers are temporarily closed for new visits. But um, what we have is people signing up for our centers starting online and then you'll be able to go back into the center when we reopen, which I'm I, I have faith that will happen relatively soon. Um, And so the way that you work with us is we do this deep dive intake when you come in and we want to know everything about you, your history, the medications you've taken, what your childhood is like. Are you happy? Do you have meaning and purpose in your life? What what are you eating? What supplements, medications? What other specialists are you seeing? We really go deep and want to know everything about you because the first step is that evaluation. What is your story and how does that add it up? 
over time to how you're feeling right now. The second thing we do is deep diagnostic testing. So like I said, we look at things that regular doctors aren't looking at. We're just a lot more proactive. We want to understand... Do you have any signs or um, in your blood work of inflammation, autoimmune disease, which gets often undetected until it's too late when it was sitting right there the whole time? Um, hormone imbalances, nutrient imbalances, uh, cholesterol issues, blood sugar issues. We shouldn't be waiting to test for these things. These are blood work. They're easy to do. And they tell us a lot about you and about what is coming down the road for you that you can get ahead of and about what's driving your condition right now. And then we also sometimes do what I, like I said before, some fancy pants testing. It could be a urine test at home for your hormones or a saliva test looking at cortisol, a genetics test, or the famous poop test looking at your microbiome. Um, these are all doctor-ordered tests. They're not the like consumer tests out on the market. They're much more in-depth than that. And we use this evaluation and this diagnostic and then you work with our doctors and our health coaches over the course of your membership, um, which some people have had now for like four years. It's really cool. Some of our patients are, you know, mm-hmm. are just have been with us for a while. It's awesome. Um, because we might start out working with you on your hormones or your acne or your Crohn's disease or your bloating. And then later we might be optimizing health or looking at genetics or heavy metals or looking at other things. So there's sort of always something to do. And what that in, the membership model enables us to do is really get to know you, work with you over time, spend more time with you and help you see results, which is our ultimate goal. I love that so much because it really is a journey. People are changing constantly. Their jobs might be changing. Where they live might be changing. So they're, you know, they're um, contact with mold or they, they're, they might be getting older and wanting to get pregnant and seek, you know, may need some fertility help. You just, you hit the nail on the head. I, those 15-minute appointments with a doctor when people get there and they've been dealing with some kind of chronic issue and trying to suppress it, not not like deal with it for months at a time to go in and just be given, you know, a, a prescription and sent out the door is is not causing finding the root of the problem. And it and I think it's perpetuating the issue because people... it is perpetuating the issue. I mean, I saw this in residency, you know, people with high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, um, autoimmune diseases, digestive issues, depression, anxiety, and handing them a stack of prescriptions at the end of a 15-minute visit and sending them out the door, you know, the, the medications will help keep the symptoms somewhat at bay. But if the underlying disease process is not corrected, it's like a fire burning in the bottom of your house. And that fire is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you can keep trying to smother it with the pills, but eventually it's going to burn through. And so... That's just what I saw our healthcare system, our primary care system was doing. And then I saw this much more holistic and in-depth approach to personalized medicine working to actually put out those fires. And it's interesting what you said about like, you know, our health is dynamic, our health is changing, where you live, your job, et cetera, just time, right? Like I think of the guy who came in because he was 30 years old, super fit, really into keto, et cetera, and optimizing, but you know, we did a genetics test and saw that he had two copies of ApoE4, which means he has a higher likelihood of developing early Alzheimer's. He is not the person who should be doing keto or high fat diets. Um, he needs to be much more on a plant based diet. And so, and his cholesterol numbers and inflammatory numbers were not looking great. So we corrected all that. But if you had seen him on the street, you would have been like, wow, America's healthiest guy, right? Like you would never have seen under the surface all of these things going on. And then, you know, he kept working with us. We sort of addressed the first bucket of things. Then he got a tick bite and then he got acute Lyme disease. We treated that with an antibiotic. Then, you know, he's dealing with ADD. Then we decided on some natural ways to support his attention and help him navigate. Do I, you know, go back on my Adderall or do I not? Right. So like there's just so much that we're all dealing with. And this is in one person who you would have assumed if you sent again Salam on the street is wildly, wildly healthy. We have women come to us because they're battling frequent miscarriage or trouble getting pregnant. And um, we've had so many success stories around fertility. It's incredible. And then they're a new mom and then there's metabolism issues and blood sugar issues and weight gain or depression, anxiety, insomnia, right? So it's like our health is this amazing dynamic continuum and in our culture, we've kind of forgotten the value of having a doctor who actually knows you, 
who can put all of these pieces together and help guide you during these continuums. We're kind of trying to like spot, you know, treat things and it's just not working. Yeah, definitely. You know, you touched on a few things that I'm super interested in personally and and, and because of my client like demo, um, I'm also really interested in. And, and those two things would be um, inflammation and, and fertility or polycystic ovarian syndrome specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk a little bit about the inflammatory markers you're looking for? Um, because I know that's a really big piece that a lot of your regular primary care physicians aren't calling for. Yeah, definitely. I mean, inflammation is tricky to diagnose and can show up in a lot of different manifestations. Um, And so you've got to look at a lot of different things. Um, And so, especially when it comes to fertility and and PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a largely, as we understand it, uh, a metabolically driven issue where higher blood sugar, um, dysregulation of your metabolism is leading to uh, higher insulin, and then that in turn leads to higher testosterone. And so you get these um, irregular menstrual cycles, you get breakouts, sometimes you get cysts on your ovaries, not always. And it's one of the, the high, that's the reason for other than age, it's become like the biggest driver of, of impaired fertility and infertility because of, frankly, the way we all eat, move and live in this country. We eat a lot of sugar, we sit a lot, right? So um the the information markers that we look at are a number. Um, and so when we're looking at PCOS, we're looking at infertility, we're not only testing the things you'd expect, your estrogens and your progesterones and your testosterones, which are your sex hormones. We've got to look further afield than that because sometimes the reason that, that those hormones are off is because of other things. It, so we'll look at a hemoglobin A1C, um, which is a measure of glucose and blood sugar levels over the past uh, three months or so. We'll look at um, uh, fasting glucose. We'll look at measures of inflammation directly, like uh, HSCRP, high, sens- high sensitivity C-reactive protein, which is a non-specific type of in, um, inflammatory marker. We'll look at ESR, um, which is another type of generally non-specific. Um, uh, inflammatory marker. We'll look at ANA and autoimmune markers that often get looked at too late because uh, autoimmune disease is interesting. Like something like 50 million people in the country have it, and it can show up eventually as everything from eczema and psoriasis to multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's. Like it has all these flavors, right? But the the in the the autoimmune processes often develop way before years before the symptoms. And so we'll look at them and we'll look at things like anti-nuclear antibody and sometimes other autoimmune markers. Uh, we'll look at signs of things like iron, how you're storing iron. Ferritin can be a marker of inflammation um, if its levels are off. Uh, and we'll also look at other hormone systems, especially thyroid and adrenals, because oftentimes what's happening in those can be driving what's happening in your sex hormones. Uh, in addition to your your insulin and your glucose and your A1Cs that are looking at blood sugar. So elevated insulin can cause elevated testosterone, which can affect people with polycystic ovarian syndrome and can lead to polycystic ovarian syndrome, sometimes with cysts present and sometimes without the cysts. When it comes to thyroid and adrenal hormones, how can their dysregulation affect sex hormones like estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone? Yeah, great question. So when we, we like to say that uh, adrenals are king and, and thyroid is queen. And so we forget that hormones are chemical me- messengers in the body. They're made by glands in the body and they travel everywhere. And so they, they interact, right? Uh, we sort of silo these things in our mind and yet they're not. Um, but you know, first of all, um, if your adrenal hormones like cortisol are off, we talked about how cortisol being high leads to insulin being high, blood sugar being higher. And then when blood sugar is high, insulin comes out to get it. And then insulin going up can drive testosterone. So that's one pathway. Um, when it comes to the thyroid, a lot of women, uh, one in eight women in this country will be diagnosed with a thyroid condition in her lifetime. The majority of them are hypothyroid or low thyroid. Sometimes people have hyperthyroid, overactive thyroid, although that's much less common. Um, and when the thyroid's low, you can see a lot of weight gain, uh, which then leads to inflammation and blood sugar problems. And we see 
the same pathway we already talked about. Um, when the thyroid is low, uh, we often can see irregular periods or missing periods. And we also see trouble when thyroid is low of sustaining pregnancy. So I can't tell you how many times women have come in with difficulty getting pregnant and they're well-meaning, very well-meaning GYN, uh, you know, no disrespect, but has just sort of said, oh, just go to reproductive endocrinology, you're going to need IVF. And it's like, whoa, we just went zero to 60 here. The GYN never looked at thyroid. The GYN never looked at inflammatory markers, never looked at blood sugar, never asked why the menstrual cycle was off in the first place. And so if your thyroid's off, you can have your regular menstrual cycles and then you can develop some of these other problems. And so it's like, it's crazy to me because it's just, it's not even like that many levels deeper, but it's just our healthcare system has incentivized kind of siloing everything. I'm GYN, I'm IVF, I'm a primary care doctor, I'm a surgeon. And it's like, we're missing the reality, which is that our bodies are an interconnected ecosystem where every system is talking to to each other and we can't look at them in isolation or sometimes we miss the boat. Yeah, everyone's practicing in their silos and they're used to their specific um, like diagnosis and treatment plans. And then they sort of get stuck in those in those loops and they're not thinking outside of their silo, which I think that's the beauty of functional medicine is to really understand that everything is so interconnected and these different dysregulations of hormones can cascade across our body into other into other areas and affect other things. So, so, so important for people to understand. Um, what would you say? I mean, you touched on polycystic ovarian syndrome and you t- touched on thyroid. What can women do to support fertility? What it, what's your advice for patients who come in, they want to get pregnant, they maybe have tried for a few months, nothing's happening. What, what would, do you have any um, like general recommendations for those people? Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're having trouble getting pregnant, or even if you're thinking you might want to be pregnant next year or the year after that, like now is the time to start looking at your health, right? Because this is what I see all the time. I've waited, 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 waited. Now I feel I've been told, right, that I'm at the limit. I'm at the edge. Uh, If I don't get pregnant now, it's like now or never. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm kind of falling right into IVF or into these services because I feel desperate or I feel pressured or I'm worried or I'm scared um, or I've been told that there's nothing else I can do. And so it's like, let's get ahead of this, right? Um, women are having babies older and older, which means that having getting pregnant can be more challenging, right? That's the, simply the reality of our biology. So getting ahead of that by looking under the hood and dealing with your underlying fertility optimization first can get you way ahead of the game. And so what I mean by that is, first of all, if you think you're going to want to get pregnant um, in a year, now's the time to go off the pill, not like the day you want to get pregnant. Because what I see a lot is I went off the pill and my hormones went crazy. My acne went crazy, so I went right back on. I, you know, um, I didn't get my period back for three months or six months and now I'm freaking out, right? The, the pill masks your... Um, you know, kind of fakes your menstrual cycle. So people sort of think what's going on under the hood is going okay. And then they take that mask off and underneath it's not. And so we reveal a lot of PCOS and irregular cycles and other problems when we go off the pill. And so if you know you want to get pregnant, you need to give yourself a little bit of a buffer time um, to deal with some of these underlying issues that we see really frequently. So getting off the pill um, in time is one. Um, Two, cleaning up your diet. Um, it's a great time after you go off the pill um, when you're thinking about getting pregnant in general, do that um, detox. And I don't mean a detox in terms of like trying to lose weight and and living on nothing but green juice all day. That's not what I mean. What I mean by a detox is now is the time to take um, allergens, common allergens like wheat and dairy um, and inflammatory foods like sugar and processed foods out of your diet uh, for at least a couple of months. And it gives your body this opportunity to, opportunity to reset um, and then from there, um, chronic stress is a and, and anxiety are big reasons that people sometimes have irregular menstrual cycles. Um, you can kind of, it's called sort of central suppression of the menstrual cycle. So if you're not sleeping, it's time to deal with that. If you're really, really anxious, it's time to deal with that. If you're underweight um, and you're kind of over-exercising and you're on overdrive all the time, um, you know, I, I live in New York City. Uh, I see a lot of this. I might be one of them, right? 
mm-hmm. <laughs> not so much in the exercise program anymore because of kids, but you know, <laughs> used yeah. to be. Um, go, go, go all the time. And you might need to slow down on your spin class and get into some yoga and calm your nervous system so that your more hormones can reset. So it's those are the things we like to see you do. And then depending on where you're at from there, sometimes we use some supplements. We might use Vitex, which is chase tree berry to support your natural menstrual cycle. Um, when appropriate, I'm a big fan of cyclic progesterone. So we'll prescribe progesterone for the second half of your cycle. Um, and then again, if you we've tested and you have underlying thyroid issue, we might use a thyroid hormone replacement for a while, um, you know, this is where we and, and the and the OBGYN community align a lot. Um, low thyroid function is a miscarriage risk, so you want to make sure that you're treating that as you go into trying to get pregnant. Awesome! I love how your practice pairs true Western medicine with almost an Eastern approach of yoga and meditation and, and supplementation of like herbs and adaptogens. It's it's definitely a beautiful part of functional medicine and what you guys are offering that's different. Um, Can you talk a little bit about some of the Western medicines you think are good? Because I think what I find in Los Angeles, and you might see this in New York with everyone becoming obsessed with wellness is they don't want to ever take any type of prescription. Um, And sometimes they're preventative and supportive of the body. Yeah, you know, we're not um, a natural or the highway practice. And we're all, you know, our doctors at Percy are board certified. They're trained at top hospitals and universities. And, uh, you know, what I saw really missing in the market was the blend of the two, a more holistic approach with the best of advanced Western science, right? And so we're not in, you know, an Eastern medical practice. We're not practicing Chinese medicine or, or Ayurveda, um, although much loved to those beautiful practices. We're we're just taking a functional approach to uh, ultimately improving or reversing chronic illness and optimizing your health. And you can't do that if you don't look at food as medicine. If you don't understand the role of stress and movement and environment on the body, right? So. That's just bringing the whole picture together as you know conventional docs, but nonetheless, drugs are important tools, and we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. As I like to say, you're not going to reiki your UTI away. That's not a good idea. You could end up with a kidney <laughs> infection. So, you know, we're just going to treat that with antibiotics if appropriate, and like not have a kidney infection, and let's like move on with our lives. So, um, you know, we we prescribe antibiotics. We we don't over prescribe. Um, you know, the average primary care visit because it's so prescription focused leads to a prescription 75% of encounters and we're only 15%. And so we're massively reducing prescription drugs just by nature of the fact that we have other tools in our tool basket. That said, when we need them, great. If your blood pressure is really, really high, it may take you time to do the work on your diet, on your lifestyle, on your movement to get that blood pressure down. And so in that time frame, we may need to use a blood pressure medication to make sure that the strain on your heart and your vasculature isn't damaging you. Right or isn't dangerous. Um, we are uh, seeing people who you know um, need the support of either insulin in some cases if they have uh, type two diabetes that's um, been around for a long time, or even the earlier stages, some of the other drugs, or even metformin um, to manage blood sugar again in the short term. With our goal being. Hopefully, you no longer need those medications, but you might need them in conjunction. You know, I always say like to my patients when they come in, like, what's the win here, right? Let's get clear on that. The win might be getting off of meds or the win in some, for some people might be not adding any more and not having this disease gets worse because we've stopped it in its tracks. Um, I had a chronic migraine sufferer who was having migraines daily and was on Botox and, and sumatriptans and so much ibuprofen and so many different medications for migraines all the time. She was also drinking like 40 ounces of coffee a day, back to our coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to the point that she was having, it was causing her headaches, but she was having rebound headaches when she just tried to stop it. Mm -hmm. So over a couple of months, we weaned her off of her coffee and helped her with stress reduction and anxiety management. She had some underlying um, emotional stuff going on. And like, like a lot of us do. And when we dealt with those things, 
she was able to reduce her migraine frequency to a couple times a month, once or twice a month, and not need to be on chronic meds for migraine. So our win with her was not, okay, you're never going to have another migraine again. But the win was, we've massively reduced medications. We've figured out some of your root drivers. And this thing isn't taking over your life anymore. So beautiful because it really, it is about having those short-term goals that are supportive of like the long-term plan and like what is going to give you the best lifestyle that you can have. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Well, we're going to end this podcast the way we end all the other podcasts. What does body love mean to you? Oh my goodness. You know, body love for me is about being present in your body and feeling it. And I actually literally mean like touching it. Like I think sometimes as people, we when we when we're when we're nervous about something or we don't understand something or we don't like something or we've been told that something isn't good enough and that especially as women is for a lot of us kind of the state we live in when it comes to our bodies we kind of ignore it right and so from the neck down we're kind of oblivious to what's going on until something's so broken that it's screaming at us and i'm a big fan of just like putting your hands on your belly on your hips on your chest like if you're doing your yoga class, kind of giving yourself a belly massage, um, even if you're feeling like, oh, I'm not as strong or I don't feel as good uh, as I want to, or I'm in pain, can you just touch that part of yourself and get in touch literally physically with your physicality? Because this body is the only vehicle that we will have for life. And so we can't trade it in. So we need to take care of it. And that starts with literally touching it and feeling it and resonating with it and understanding with it and paying attention to it a little bit more than I think we've all been taught to. Because when you do that, even though it can feel kind of uncomfortable or scary at first, it it teaches you, your body has all this wisdom and it's telling you what it needs. And then all of a sudden you can start to make the steps to unlock your, not only your greatest health, but your greatest life potential. Because I do believe, and I, I'm a huge believer of the philosophy that when you take care of your body, you unlock your life. And so the changes that you'll see when you do that are not just physical. They're going to be mental, emotional, professional, relational. Um, when you start with your physicality, that's how you start unlocking your ultimate greatest potential. That's so beautiful. Well, for everyone listening, Take care of your body to unlock unlock your life. And if you need help doing that, Parsley Health is there for you. Robin, thank you so much for your time today. Um, will you tell everyone where they can find you and follow along? Yeah, uh, we are parsleyhealth.com um, and you can join us pretty much anywhere around the country right now. Uh, at the time of this recording, we have a first month free going on with the code BEWELL. So that's the theme of today, BEWELL. Um, yay! yay. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're here for you. We're also physically in New York, LA and San Francisco, but we can do all the great stuff that we do in person. We can do it online and at Parsley Health on Instagram. And I'm at Robin Burson, MD. Thanks, Robin. I really, really appreciate it. I know that, I know that all the information you shared today is really going to help our listeners. So thank you so much for your time. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. So good to talk to you. Me too. Thank you for listening to Be Well by Kelly. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at bewellbykelly.com and follow me on Instagram at bewellbykelly. I would love if you picked up my books, Body Love and Body Love Every Day. They're sold on Amazon and at all major booksellers. 